ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome back to Generational Vujak Day, Father-Son Conversation, Episode 8, Dad. Very consistent here. How are you feeling, Mr. Ford? I'm feeling great, Jack. Thanks for having us back again. It's been awesome run so far. We're staying consistent, true to our word, running them week to week, every Tuesday night. Man, that's pretty impressive, right? We that's stay super committed impressive. to the... What about the special guest we got here tonight with us, man? Yeah, awesome. We, can't can't mm-hmm. wait to talk to to him and very excited. I'll turn it over to you for the intro, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, we have a very special one today. Probably, well, I don't want to uh, affect any of our previous guests, but this person beside me is, is very influential in my life, somebody I look up to a lot and definitely has a great uh, energy and perspective on life, something you probably might have never heard before. So I'm I'm really happy to, to hear what he has to say. Guys, to my left is Mr. Gavin Parker. Gavin, how are you feeling? Man, Jack, what an intro, bro. Thanks, man. I'm feeling <laughs> great. K Ford in the building, baby. In the house, baby. <laughs> we made it. GP man. in the house. <laughs> we made it, man. God Guys, bless thank you. you so God much bless you. Having me, man. Thanks for being here. Dude, for we're sure. so happy to have you. For sure. So just briefly, Gavin, just to introduce yourself to the people I can't do it justice. Kind of walk us through who you are, what you do. Where are we at? I love it. So it's easy for me. Um, who I am, my name's Gavin Flotilla Parker. What I do is I instill enthusiasm and joy in my life on a day-to-day basis. Right. My profession is I'm a golf professional, so I get paid to coach golf. But more importantly, I just started a new venture as a media personality and this has been dope, dude. <laughs> so, like, that's my new day job, man. And um, a little bit of a motivational speaker. And depending on who's asking, you know, a cigarette lighter repairman. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, we got to get into that. We should one, get into it. Actually, we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, obviously, Gavin and I have some history. We have some inside jokes going on there. Um, yeah, so here we are. Uh, we're very happy to have you again. I kind of want to just run it back okay. and give the audience how you're here today, what got you to the point of, of golf, a golf professional, but more importantly, like how are we starting this new media personality venture? How did this come about? Was this a thing in your mind in the past always, and now we're we're here, so let's just run it back. Let's run it back. How far you want to go back here? Wow. And like, let's just kind of we'll, we'll we'll take the steps from there. I think the first thing I want to go back with is for me, I was in about seventh grade, um, so I was about twelve years old, and I grew up playing soccer, and I was way better at soccer than I ever was golf. And there was one game in particular where I came down the sideline, and the goalkeeper came out the penalty area and slide tackled me, and hit me right in my ankle. I broke my tibula my fibula, and my growth plate, I was crushed. So when I was kind of on the mend, because I couldn't run for just – like I wasn't really fully healed. Like I had the cast on for about six weeks. Then after that's like probably another four- or five-month process to actually like run again. So my dad at the time just enrolled me into just a junior golf program, and he just wanted me to be outside, be a part of a tribe, keep up with my things. And i never forget the first day I went – and, I mean, the rest was history. I took a golf club, I hit it in the air, it got airborne, and it was the sound for me. It, like, it, it, it got me hooked. Mm. Um, and then as I started playing golf, I quickly was coached out of being really good at this game. Um, it never, never was for a lack of trying. It was because most of the coaches that I had at the time, if I hit a bad shot, it was because I either swung too fast or – I didn't keep my head down, or I didn't follow all the way through. And I'm over here like, there's no way that this is what I'm doing to cause me to hit the ball so bad. And um, my junior golf career wasn't the most luxurious. Um, I won one tournament. I shot 76-73 at a college prep tour, and it was the best golf I've ever played in my life. And most of the time my junior golf career, I was, you know, coming in last place or middle of the pack. Um, I kind of always would keep like a smile on my face, even if I was making 13s on a hole. So that allowed other people to kind of want to be around me. And I was a first tee kid. 
and in the local first tee chapter they had these national opportunities where you could like travel and so i was able to go to pebble beach twice i went to a leadership conference in arkansas where i met some kids at this small golf camp that i like still talk to today and they're still in the golf business or some of my best friends so my golf stories kind of reverse um, so I kind of got here with my dad, um, just wanted to be a part of a group. And then as I started to play more and more golf, I went to school at Campbell University where I studied professional golf management and business administration. And at one point, I wanted to just be the greatest golf instructor in the world because I didn't – I felt like I was coached out of being good. I vowed never to do that to somebody else. Um, and then – that kind of pivoted real fast, so right. I know I've kind of do like a, a, a right. long answer. So I wanted to, but I hope that kind of answers a little bit. Yeah. No, that gave that gives yeah. a platform for golf. You know, golf is the platform right. for what's to come, right? Yeah, and to, for sure. To, to your story from then till now, really. And so tell us more. Tell us about how you had aspirations. Unless you had a question, Jack, I don't want to cut no, you go, off. Go. Tell us about how your aspirations as a teacher. And that's what you thought you wanted to do, you know, shaped itself into something else. Absolutely. So I think, whew, I've always had, like, an abundance amount of energy. Like, I thank my mom and dad every day for never putting me on, like, medication when I was younger. But I need to apologize to every teacher I ever had, every classmate I ever had. But I think for me, is like, my dad had me working at 11 years old because in the state of Virginia, the youngest you can work and get paid without having a workers comp uh, workers permit is 11 years old. Now I was a referee for soccer. And I remember just being completely obsessed with the service of like helping someone else, like the act of coaching, like, Hey, I'm blowing my whistle right now because your foot crossed the line on your, your, your throw in, you know what I'm saying? So like, Johnny, I want to help you with that. And I like became so obsessed with that. So I always wanted to be a teacher for the sake of like, I love to teach people and like, like to connect. Um, so when I was in school, I realized that for kind of how I look and how young I am, I had an affinity kind of towards kids and children. So I just dove in heavy in that realm. And at the time in 20, I guess 2016, the only platform for junior golf at the time was either like a first team program like I went to or some type of like U.S. Kids tournament, which is ultra competitive, mm -hmm. where I had some buddies in school that created this platform called Operation 36, where essentially the goal is to shoot par better for nine holes because much like that's usually like the baseline for a good golfer um, is like 36. So if you can make a four um, nine times equals 36. So they would start the kids from 25 yards out. And if you break par from 25, you would then play for 50. You break par from 50, you then play like 100, then 150, then 200, then a full tee box. And that program worked great because of, at the time, most kids only experienced golf in like a camp or like a clinic, mm. normally in the summer. But there's no place where that kid could come see you consistently week to week for eight months out the year, especially in golf where most private lessons are extremely pricey. Now you have them in a group program that actually has a very specific curriculum and that curriculum had 12 different objectives, so kids would come to class, and they would learn, like, ball flight, power, grip, green reading, alignment, putting, mastery, honor, um, a little bit of fitness and nutrition, and then we would test the kids on the actual golf course. So that allowed me to build a community here in Richmond where I was able to get parents outside with their kids caddying for them and then to kind of share that moment and I quickly realized for me it never was the golf. It was always teaching the people. So, and then I'm getting kids super excited about this goal, this score to shoot 36. And then I'm reading at the same time like books from like Carolyn Dweck about growth mindset, Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. <laughs> and I got these kids fired up to shoot par. And then I'm watching these kids because they can pass from 25 right away. You know, that's pretty easy. Then they start getting to 50 yards. And then they're failing like their third attempt. And then, you know, I was the first time I've ever started to see my positivity or my enthusiasm or my energy as like a negative. Um, and me say, oh, you know, st say, see the silver lining here, Chris. Like, I know you missed it by three strokes, but look at the silver lining. Like, it's only three strokes. And here I am telling these nine and ten-year-olds that they're looking at me like, yo, I don't want to hear this right now. And I'm like, this is crazy because everything I read is like, no. You gotta fail. You gotta struggle. You gotta have grit. 
And I'm looking at these kids right now, and they are fighting back tears, and they don't even want to be out here because I put so much of an emphasis on the why or on the goal. And I'm scratching my head, and I'm like, dude, I'm actually losing more kids. It's almost sadistic just because I think being a skilled junior golfer is dope. And their parents think being a skilled junior golfer is dope. But these kids right now in the 21st century, in the year 2017, like when it was, they just want to be good right now. They want to experience the joy right now. They're not ready to delay some gratification. Um, so then I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, and then I was kind of lost for a while, guys. I'm not going to lie because I'm still doing the same thing. And it's one of those things It's like you either get better or you get worse. And I have more and more kids than ever. I have parents saying they're having so much fun. They feel like they're learning so much. But I was kind of jeopardizing the kids and what they what they were having fun wasn't the golf outcome. They had fun being outside, having a coach that was yelling, bumping music. My dad was a coach with me at the time, so they loved like kind of having that that relationship. And I kind of lost sight of the goal there for a while because I spent so much time on the ends of play, guys. So, like, what you can get from being a skilled golfer, such as these kids' scores. Um, I'm posting their swings on Instagram to show people, like, look, like, I'm making this kid better. But at the same time, I'm watching these kids fail 20, 30, 40 times. And they don't want to be out here anymore because, let's face it, like, golf's pretty tough and pretty hard and challenging. So I had to quickly realize I had to do something differently. So I started actually studying what play is actually for. And so before you, yeah, go I'm there, sorry, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm no, sorry, no, no, it, yeah, but that, does that kind of answer your question? No, like, how did I get to where I am now? That's great. Like it's, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. That's awesome yeah, because so. I think it was a pivotal moment for you. It was a transformational moment for you, where you thought, like you. Uh, youngsters were all going to subscribe to grit and perseverance and man that's that's a big leap too anyway because not everybody's wired that way right but then your mindset was probably like why wouldn't you want to be wired this way because that's how you learn and get through the challenges of life right um and then you got slapped you know you got that mike tyson then you got hit in the face right because your plan got smoked yep but that is like that's an awesome moment, really, because you learned, hey, one, they're not there to persevere. No. <laughs> they're not there to grind. And most importantly, they're not there or equally important, they're not there to play golf no. or learn golf. No. Right. So they're there for a reason. And then you had to so you figured out, wow, they're they're having fun when they're not grinding. Boom. Is that right? Boom. And so then and then Jack, you know, I think at that point this was a few years ago. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And he came home one night, I think, after helping you as a a camp uh, instructor, instructor support. Counselor. Kind. Yeah. And um, I think you'd already started made the transformation from yeah. the – you still want the grit to be out there and, and figure out which ones want that, but you figure out another way to have them enjoy their time. And I'll, I won't – I'll let you get into that. But my point is you went through a real transformation because you're beating your head against the wall – what I was going to say is Jack came home one night at dinner and said, you know, what would you tell me, Jack? I'll, I'll let you tell tell the audience because um, it was pretty eye-opening. One, because you never – you don't talk much at the table. But two, you don't say something like that is had meaning on your life and was impactful to you, and that's why I know you said it. Yeah, I came home. You were at Salisbury, so this is – you definitely figured out what you're doing by then. Um I don't it was in the fall I think and I was I was helping out and it was just so apparent these kids they're probably 6 years old maybe Yeah it was a 7 to 11 year old class I remember You remember? Yeah we were playing triple crown Yeah we yeah. were Yep Um yeah and I just remember cuz that was the first time I'd really seen the the formula the structure of it Yeah and it was so apparent that these kids were really learning these very intricate very involved golf mechanics physics that you don't learn unless you want to compete you know and they're six years old and they're picking this up almost innately without even realizing it through the game through the play and fun like it was so easy for them they don't even know it but they were so I came home that night and I told 
dad at the dinner table like this is he's doing something really cool over there like this is like revolutionary in a sense i don't know where else that exists where six-year-olds are learning angle retention or whatever you know so it was really cool yeah Yeah. so don't gloss over that you you said it the games and that was the trick right you're about to go into that as to they're learning the golf skill and having fun but they don't really it's not through the actual teaching of golf bingo go ahead yeah so i think where we left off is i had to go out and kind of leave the golf space for a while and I went on a mission to kind of repurpose what the word G-O-L-F means for me. And we had to start studying what play actually is. And play is a, like, play is, just the definition of it is free bound movement amongst a rigid structure is play. And I started realizing that I had these kids in my classes and I'm running the most traditional style golf program, explicit instruction, you know, get your hands here, grip it here, lead wrist flexion, you know, getting to the P4. And parents are asking their kids, what did you learn today? And I don't know if you guys have ever had to experience that, but it is a messy process. It's hard to articulate what you learned. Mm. So I started playing games and games, there's a purpose for why you play. You play to win. So now we're solving the, oh, I don't like to compete, but like, nah, we're going to compete because we're not giving out competent, like, um, excuse me, participation trophies, but we're competing for the sense of like, hey, it's you versus me, not you against me, but we're playing with each other because that's what competition is. And that allows like, it's at your primal urge as like a human being to like, do something with your hands and be better than somebody else. So now we're using real games and the games transcended everything. And I, um, I got to shout them out just cause we're on here, but I met a dear friend of mine. His name's Richard Franklin, who was kind of the first one in the golf space to just make games that are actually good. Not games that are just like tic-tac-toe or who can hit it the closest to this chalk line, but like a real game. And that was the first time I started to experience that. And then I realized, okay, once you can create some type of emotional outcome first, to actually make kids care about where the balls go, i.e. game, because they want to win it, such as King, I think, Triple Crown that Triple day. Crown. Which is, it's pretty cool, okay? It's like, um, it's basically a horseback riding game, and it's simple, the elements of any time you're racing. Oh, I'm sorry. And you're just trying to get your horse to the end of the lane. But how you move your horse is up to you. You have three different choices. You can hit a shot where you go over your horse, which is basically a flop shot, but it's in a space, so you got to hit it like you can't just blade it and hit it over. Or you can hit just like your standard chip shot. Or you could actually be a strategist and pay attention. And we kind of celebrate the intellects out here, not the kids who are, you know, just dominating everything because they're faster. But we got something for the mouth breathers out there, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where you can move your horse depending on your mini horses and how you can structure them. And then because the games are there and kids like playing games, they can start articulating to their parents. Hey, what'd you learn today? Well, I played Triple Crown. Well, how'd you play Triple Crown? How do you win? Get your horse to the end of the lane. How do you move your horse? Well, you got to hit a shot and it stays in the zone. And then if you see the zone, they're like super small. So all we did is we just took golf, which is insanely, oof, dare I say, tone deaf. Um, it's kind of the same way it's been played since it was founded in the early 1600s. And I think the only thing that the 20th century or even the 21st century has done for golf is just put kids on a smaller course. And they're like, yeah, let's grow the game. Like, come on now. That's not getting it done. So now we live in a world where kids want to be good right away. They're scared to try anything new for the feeling of looking bad. But if it's done within the rhetorics of play, because you're no longer K Ford or J Ford or Gavin Parker, right now we're playing Triple Crown. And in Triple Crown, you're commanding your own horse. And the horse's name's Lickety Split or Perky Velvet. You're no longer K Ford. You're Lickety Split. You're the jockey. So now you're willing to try something new, you're willing to look silly, you're willing to fail, you're willing to be comfortable because play is so much more than the act of performance. Play is what we're doing right now. It's having a conversation, it's playing a role. Um, You use play to create a community and that's what I'm doing. Mm. And that's what you saw, is we're creating a community where kids are making their own choices, they're not being criticized for making their own decision. You're gonna quickly realize was it good or bad or not without me saying anything. But most importantly, we're creating an environment where you're going to experience failure. 
but not failure from the sense of you didn't shoot par or you didn't shoot the score and that you can never do it, but you failed because you lost triple crown because you didn't realize that, hey, I could have used these mini horses for other things. So now they're learning at a faster clip. And now that's easier to articulate than, oh, I played a game today instead of, oh, what'd you learn? So now it's a little bit more sophisticated than the traditional junior golf program who just assumes that fun's easy to engineer. It's not. Mm. It's quite hard. And now I can get kids off the screen. We can get you on a very manicured off, grass. Off the screen. Yeah, all, off this screen. Right. Yeah, man. Like, don't get me started there, man. Because, right. I mean, oh, man, I, I want to remind me to go back on this, but the points of being outside, and I know I say that a lot, it's like we outside – we're outside so important because right now 6% of all schools in the United States of America actually have physical education still in school. Wow. For ages 8th to 12th grade, they 6%. Um, because I think was the No Child Left Behind Act wanted to spend more time on like um, math and English and social studies. So they're willing to get rid of those programs to fund it more in like the math and science. But then our kids aren't even outside where – it's been proven in England that if you do exercise, you become smarter. <laughs> I don't have to tell you guys that as a part, like because your brain's going somewhere else. So right. Like the the concept of getting rid of exercise to have kids actually pay more attention so they can do something else with those credit hours is ruining this this country. So I I'm think sorry. in yeah. England and other European countries, it's one hour for play, uh, one hour per, uh, play for one hour of schoolwork Bingo. at least might be actually more yeah, it's 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 everything and, and, it, and it's the future like if you look at some of the things like play is so important right now and if we are in a place where like this is why it's so special what we're doing um and i can't wait as we do this media personality and like you show the world that's like hey what we're actually doing you can do at home you can do in your backyard these games are important like mom and dad like Mm-hmm. This like I, I I'm not I'm not a parent by no yeah. means, but like I deal with kids all day long, and all the different kids, and like all human beings want to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Yet you're gonna put your kid in a junior golf program where the only kid is gonna win is the country club kid who's been playing golf his whole life. Like, come on, yeah. guys. And yeah, sorry. No, you're fu- and you have to imagine like as kids. You're so imaginative. Like I know when I was a child, like I'm I'm playing with my race cars and I have a whole stadium pictured. Yes. So for these kids actually playing these games, like you said, as whatever character they are, like they are literally they have this whole world created because you gave them what they needed to do it, and now they're so invested, they're so involved. Yeah. It's Bingo. it's kids. Like it, it's imagination. Well, yeah. I love what you said about they failed. But that failure is different from the failure of the golf grind. Boom. Whereas they go home dejected because they can't do the golf thing, you know, can't get it in the right slot or the angle or speed or whatever. This failure was probably, I would guess, I want to go back and do that again so I can can achieve. And then, two, I think like you said, they're able to articulate now, tell a story to their parents way better as to what happened. Bingo. today right Bingo. and they and they have that excitement in their voice when they say it which i think probably ultimately leads to a better connection between them and their parents Bingo. right the communication yeah. gap if there's one probably gets stronger yeah, or closer it, or more narrow it, it must man because i i think the word f-u-n is literally judge jury and executioner of everything I do, especially the junior like youth program. And like that's not a word I just throw around. And like most of the time people oh I had so much fun, but like that word is so different for all human beings. Like what's fun for you is not what's fun for this guy. Or what's fun for me isn't what's fun for him. But for some reason in what I do, the junior golf space, everyone just assumes, oh, you just make it fun. No, just because I have some colored balls and an inflatable dinosaur and I'm playing some music does not create the conditions for, oh, my God, I want to come back. Mom and dad, beg me, please send me. I got to come. And, like, that's the type of experience that I'm creating. And when I don't have that and, oh, man, that's what you, like, when you said that that day, it's like, dude, we got something special. It's like, yeah, but, like, to recreate that, man, it takes some time. And yeah. that's why I'm so excited for this next venture of this media personality platform is to actually show the world is like, dude, 
what we're doing is not a bumper sticker. Like, I'm not fabricating this. My energy is authentic. It's not like I'm on drugs. Like, people <laughs> always assume, like, what are you on? Like, dude. Yeah. I had a little bit of espresso, but that's yeah. about it, bro. Like you, you spend some time, like, bro. I wake up turnt, bro. Yeah. Like it's crazy. We love to sleep uh, turnt, wake up turnt. It's, yeah, literally, it's like, actually crazy. Like Dan said, like I like that's I'm that's something we talked about. We talking about check boxes earlier today. Like that's something a lot of people don't have. It's just energy like that and ability to just like be on. Boom. And for a media guy, like obviously that's essential. And then also. Teaching kids oh. like that takes. Yeah, bro. I couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. You know, like. No, it takes. Special. Even if you knew how to do it, even if you could, like, there's, you'd have to be on something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's that's why I'm so glad to meet this dude when I met this dude because <laughs> it's not sustainable, y'all. <laughs> Being real. <laughs> you use the word authentic, which we use a lot around here at the Bouja Day um, podcast. We always talk about authenticity because right. if you can't be authentic you can't you couldn't sell that mm. you couldn't sell that in a believable way right like you just said it's not about you know the actual game you're going to have fun at this particular game you have the sauce in that is how you communicate it oh. and sell it and uh i just quick story before we keep going i don't want to disrupt your flow Ooh. but <clears throat> um I attended your, one of your first, one of my first, when I first got involved. And my favorite story out of that observation that day, um, and I'll tell, I'll tell later on why I'm so fired up about what you're doing, um, but this is just an antidote, um, not an antidote, an anecdote. No. <laughs> an antidote is something you get when you get stung. But... Um, <laughs> You gathered the, 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 the kids around after the competition, and I think they were six to eight range. Yep. And um, you were going to give the award for the winner. Yep. And um, all the kids were around, and um, and you gave the award to the winner. To the winner. And then I think uh, a young young lady who finished in third place said, well, well my dad says uh, third place is – very close to first and so so i should get something too or we should get something and you you cut them off quickly and said but you didn't win so you don't get anything Boom. because you didn't win and then uh i remember somebody else chiming in right after that another young lady and she said well my dad said that uh finishes second is just the you know first to lose and that's just two sets of uh headspace there and two sets of uh what's going in the sponge yes. at home yes and really resonated with me because we are in a world of just giving out the participation trophy and not you know before at least in my day right it was you know you had to make the cut to be on the team and if you didn't you just try it again next year yep and then uh there's only one guy gonna get the mvp and there's only going to be one, you know, team gets the trophy. Yep. Um, it's just not that way anymore for whatever reason. I think it's, you know, the coddling of America and a breakdown of uh, kids and society. But what you're doing, and I love so much, is you're bringing that back. Bingo. You're bringing that back to where, hey, you got to be disciplined. You got to, if you want the trophy, you got to win. Bingo. And if you don't win, you got to just, you know, pick yourself up and try again. Bingo. So I just wanted to chime that in, that observation I thought was um, real compelling and um, um, a key ingredient to what you're doing. Absolutely. So I'll let you pick the flow back up because, you yeah. know, we're we're moving good here. Oh, and and I think you're taking it to the next level now beyond the games. Bingo. Hit on the media stuff. But Bingo. The message you're delivering now. Yeah, I'm so glad you just said that because I remember when I first started with, like, the Operation 36 Framework, it was like they gave me this 15, 10, 10 to 15 year curriculum. And I'm sitting in my first meeting and I'm talking like we had 40 parents in there. And like to these parents, it sounds great. It's like, hey, I'm going to take your junior golf from age seven. In week two, we're going to learn the posture badge. And if it rains, it's okay. We can do pot. We're going to do putting indoors. And then as I was saying that, I was like, hey, this is what we're going to do week eight. And then this is what we're going to do year four, week eight. And the more and more I did that, guys, I quite I started to realize it's like almost disingenuous. Mm. 
Like, how can I tell you right now is, hey, Jack, in four years, it's going to be about 150 yards out. That's going to put him in level four. He should know these green re And then I was doing that. And then now I am, guys, and people literally ask me all the time, Gavin, what does your plan look like for the day? What does your plan look like for the hour? And I'm like, guys, I literally coach now minute by minute because that's what these kids are down for. That's what I'm living for because I got these kids who don't want to come to camp. Like, I see it every Tuesday. They don't want to be here because their parents tell them it's what? Golf camp. And when kids think golf, they don't think me. They think, dang, I'm going to be boring, khaki shirt, college shirt, going to be outside, boring, hating my life. So now I literally live for the minute, and if I realize the kid's not doing it, I'm going to flip the script in a heartbeat to make sure that at this minute, hey, I judge the success of my programs now, not by the amount of strokes your kids lost because they're not shooting par. Like, yo, your daughter today, Penny, actually won the club challenge. She came here today with no golf clubs at, at all, and somehow she got stuck in this random line where she had this moment where she had to be whoever hits the seventh ball to stop in this circle wins, and she was just in a random spot in the line, and she happened to be the next person up, and in this moment, she had what we all want our kids to experience. That moment when their heart starts to race a little bit, they have that internal conversation with themselves, like, oh my God, I'm nervous right now. I'm nervous right now. Is that normal? No, I don't want to mess up. I don't, don't want to mess up, but I want to win this club. And you know what? I can win this club because it's random. And that's the empowerment that we want. And now if we can create an environment where Penny didn't get there by herself, okay? Every other kid had to hit the other six shots before Penny had the opportunity. Yeah. So now they're learning competition, not this winner, this zero-sum winner-takes-all, but true collaboration like we are doing now where, yo, Jack's winning because we're using each other, you're winning because we're using each other, and like now we're actually creating a world where people understand that, yo, it's actually okay to use one another, not to your own, like, harmful gain but you're using each other to get something that you want and that is play for the sake of playing and then penny hits that shot and she can't believe she did it she has that for the rest of her life and i don't care if she plays golf again all i care is that i know i can tell penny's mom when she picks her up that penny actually cared where this ball went and she cared enough that she put her entire hands on the club and guess what her grip got better Without me having to say a word. Mm -hmm. And then the reason Penny won and then the reason the other kids like Raul missed the game winning shot is because he missed it to the right. And now Raul's going to be like, yo, coach, how can I get my club not going to the right anymore? So now we create emotional outcomes such as these memories. And then once memories can be made, learning can start happening. And now in your brain, you can start having these chemical neurological transmitters that allow your brain to become malleable and take in new information like you said the sponge because we put them in these social outcomes that they decide of their own amongst themselves as hey i need you to be in seven teams i don't right. care about the size of teams i just need seven so now you got kids who are actually social they can be like oh you kind of look like me you got you're a geek i'm a geek cool like oh you're kind of a sporty kid i'm a sporty kid oh you like like now they can create their own internal like decisions right and then, guess what, guys? The golf outcome happens. <laughs> it's and that's the, that's the easy part. Like, dude, to get anybody better at anything, you just got to change the variability amongst the task. Yep. That creates skill every time. Yep. Like that. And, like, people don't know that. It blows my mind. Yeah. Just make it fun. Oh, my God. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. You said earlier Sorry. that you basically, when you play golf, you got coached out of golf. Being, I got coached out of no, no excuse me. Play. I got coached out of being good at okay, golf. Okay, coached out of. Being I still good at play. Golf. You know what I'm saying? I know what you mean. No, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Oh, uh, for sure. That's why we connected. Truly, yeah. Like the first time we ever broke is like I saw you on the range after your like third lesson of the week with your boy. I ain't saying no names, <laughs> and you were just hot, and I was just like, "Yo, I've been there, bro." Yeah. And like yeah, I just yeah, like you know I literally gave sure. you the frisbee. It was like, bro, it's, club face is open, bro. Yeah. Like all you gotta do is close your face. Yeah, I had an anal but, analysis paralysis. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, it wasn't your fault though. Yeah. And oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, go but yeah, that's literally how we got to where we are now, yeah, bro. Yeah. And like it was that moment. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Early, so you got coached out of play, being good at golf. Was that the was that like the eureka moment that made you realize like oh my like kids don't aren't supposed to be coached this way like what was what was the real like was it Franklin or was it was there some like moment? Oh no, I'm gonna be super real. Um, I truly think oh, 
my man Richard was probably the best and worst thing that ever happened to me, especially in junior golf. I would say the guy with the game, the guy that created the, guy the games. games for sure. The worst thing is because for the first time in my life, I lost sight of the true goal, and that was always the kids. That was always the impact. That was always the memories. That was always the legacy. And I started looking at it purely from the dollar signs. Like, yo, hold on. I can get these games. Now, I don't have to be the one coaching. That gives me more coaches to get more. Co- like, I, I did it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got it. Like, Greg, like, hey, we talked about it last week. That got in my way. And I lost sight of, like, pre-Richard Franklin, I was already teaching 120 kids for summer camps and independence. That was pre-games. Yeah. That was just me raw, brute force, just spewing energy, right? Like, right. dude, like it was golf just, skills. It, yeah, golf skills. But I was doing it in still my own still, way. Still gabbing, teaching. Still yeah. gabbing, right? Yeah. And so I think it wasn't me. Like I've always had an affinity. Like I tell people all the time, they're always like, "Yo, Gavin, what is that thing that got you like?" You know, where do you get this energy, this hype? And I tell this story all the time. And I know you guys know, but it's like Pac-Man, dude. And the best way I can articulate what I have is Pac-Man spends most of the game being chased by ghosts. But every now and then, Pac-Man goes to the little corner and he eats the power pellets. And then Pac-Man starts chasing the ghosts. He's eating the ghosts. Pac-Man's invincible. Pac-Man feels on. That's normally how I feel just about every day. So for me, I always knew I could create these power pellets, always knew I had something to share with others, always knew that I had something that other people didn't have, and I knew I meant to share with others. And for me, I always needed that canvas or like that vehicle to get there, and it happened to be golf. And the reali- and, the, and then once I started realizing golf, and then I let other people start dictating what I should do with my golf space, that's when I lost my way. And that's when I got down bad, and that's when I got down terrible, and that's when I got more solitude. And then when the, and then I got a little too ambitious, and I, I was telling you, Dad, I was telling Jack about the first time we met, and I just went through like my ten year, like my plan, yeah. and you said, "Stop, bro, that is trash. I don't care. You get all these games up, but dude, how you gonna replicate you?" And I was like. Never thought about it like, and then here we are. Fast yeah. forward, it was like, so I, I know I haven't answered it yet, but like for me, it wasn't like when I started playing golf, dude. I wasn't trying to go pro. Mm. Like I knew I wasn't going to be Tiger Woods. I just wanted to be outside. Yeah. I wanted to be like hitting a ball, and that was so dope. But what I didn't want is like when I coached, when I was being coached, man. Like every outcome, mm. especially in golf, was only predicated on skill, mm. and. Even though I trained all the time, even though I had all this willpower and was grinding all the time, it didn't positively correlate to some type of outcomes. And I wanted to rechange what that word looks like and how to actually create outcomes where chance is involved or randomness or luck or different player interactions. And that's what I'm here to do with golf. And that's what I'm here to show other coaches. And if we keep doing what we're doing, Jay Ford – we're going to show the PGA, the Parker process, and they're going to rebrand everything in junior yeah. golf amongst that because you need someone who can actually understand emotional intelligence and how important emotional intelligence is to the right brain side of people to allow, oh, my goodness, creativity and wants and desires and needs and motivation to come out. That's what's not being taught. Yeah. No wonder kids don't want to do that, and no wonder, like, but I mean, what we have, the sauce that we have, is good in like any sport, really. Because like that's that's what we're going. Yep. And I mean, like you said, it's never what we're doing; it's how we say it, how we go about it, and we carry something that's a little bit different. Yep. So that's why I'm so excited for this media personality to come out because to the world, they just see me as some mm-hmm. golf dude. You know, oh, he's he's a, he's an enthusiastic golf pro. Mm-hmm. But to the people who know me, it's like, oh, we're way advanced. Like we're going to play. What we're doing is way different, but this is our opportunity to get into the door to show the world how we're really going to rechange and repurpose the word G-O-L-F. But we both know and everyone in this room knows, that, hey, we're going to repurpose what youth programming is, not yeah. just G-O-L-F. Yeah, Dad and I talk a lot about left and right brain. Like, that's yeah. a huge concept, I yep. guess. And I would say the golf industry itself, you tell me if I'm wrong, Dad, is very right brain. Like, the whole game is mechanics and physics. Bingo. So when you look at someone it's like left brain, yeah, left is the left very is the analytical. analytical. I'm yeah. sorry, you just got yeah. it flipped there. Saying yeah. left, yes, Vuja. 
day. <laughs> <laughs> Left brain. He did it on purpose. Yeah, right? he, hey, exactly. Yeah. He was making sure we listened. Exactly. I'm glad you said something. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I think even and it's no like shade or anything, but I think when you look at so like somebody a big conglomerate like the PGA and yep. whatnot, yep. like it's a whole golf industry conglomerate golf conglomerate so like yeah there probably are really left brain just because that's what they're in invested in and there's really nobody media personality doing it showing the game in a different way and and repurposing it like you said so it's like the whole goal with this media personality thing really is to to give it exposure to other people to the masses so that someone like the PGA that is left brain and, yep. and the rest of everybody who plays golf, yep. you know, for the most part, like, hey, this this can be something else. Like, there's another side to this that is twice as efficient, twice as productive and better for the youth and other people in reality. Like, we're doing it all wrong, really. Literally. Is what it is. Because when we were at the PGA Championship, you yeah. remember the interview that they had me do in, like, that main media room? They were like, yeah. Yo, why did you get your PGA membership? Yeah. What benefits do they have? Yeah. And we actually can say we now own the keys of why you should get your PGA membership. You can actually empower young people and actually make a living that's quite competitive yeah. where you're not just folding shirts. Like, I mean, that's why the PGA needs to listen to us. Yeah. And then the minute we have somebody that is as upstanding as the PGA to back us, that's all we need. Because right. right now... We they we got to fit the bowl, you know what I'm saying? I got to come in and be the expert of golf and business. But dude, like so many golf pros are out here teaching kids the grip. Dude, I'm out here creating magic and flow, memories. It, truly, dude, like that's gonna live on forever. Like kids, they get the grip. Like that's what most people think kids want is the grip. Come on now, mom and dad. Like you really want your kid to come out and learn to grip. Or you want your kid to be a part of a tribe and celebrate somebody else winning for the sake of winning. Yeah. Like, dude, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Two two major ironies I just Ooh, came upon give it to me. listening to you and to you. One is golf is left brain mechanics, right? I mean, in terms of angle, speed, et cetera, monitor, launch, monitor. Um, it's it's all left brain. But in true reality, the guys who see the windows, <laughs> who paint the picture wow. of the shot, mm. like a tiger and a jack. Oh, all day. There's a couple others. Absolutely. Those are the, that's the right brain. Yes, sir. Right? So you do yeah. think of golf as left, but, man, the guys who can paint the picture to where they want the ball to go and how they want it to fly, that's right brain. All day. And the other one, the bigger irony, you have this – true gift for reaching kids and I think ultimately transforming these kids into leaders and I'll say more about that in a, in a bit but and that's why I you know I got involved for sure uh, you know I spent a lot of time thinking about you and talking to you and it's all for me it's all about just giving all that I have to be able to help you with that mission because I believe in it it's so needed but you don't even have the irony I was going to point out is you don't even have kids. No. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you will one day, yeah. but um, you got tremendous insight. It take it's taken me, you know, forty years. Um, I don't think I actually started gaining meaningful insight to provide wisdom no, to my kids bad. until I was in my forties. And that was after many years of training, you know, with them and learning along the way. I wouldn't say that, but. No, I would. I mean, you know, I I think I always said to you guys, hey, this is my first time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because it was, it is, it still is. Still be times when it's my first time doing something with you, even though you're 20 and your sister's 23. But um, I don't know. I just thought it was, as I was listening to you guys talk, the irony, those two ironies, pretty compelling it's it's so funny you mention that because the amount of parents i get like that comment they always ask myself or Corey, like you guys even have kids and we're like no and then um yeah it's just like i said like since i've been like i'm turning 30 in november since i was 11 years old every weekend minimum eight hours a weekend since i literally was 11 years like it's just been 
compounding over time. And my sister tells me all the time, she's like, Gavin, your ability to just have emotional intelligence is some of the highest. Like, I think, you know, that's probably my biggest gift. My biggest strength is like, I can just, it's crazy. I, I talk a lot, but like, I can read people's body language and their emotions and their cues pretty well. And that just makes me adaptable. Mm-hmm. And I'm beyond grateful for that. And I'm so glad that you picked that up. But, yeah, I don't have kids yet. Um, I would love to. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like, but I spend so much time with kids. And I think it's, um, yeah, I know you said it a little bit. But, like, I think for me, too, is, like, understanding the goalposts. It's like at the end of the day, everything that I'm doing is tr- creating as many leaders as possible. Because, like you said, I'm literally at war. We're at war for capturing kids' attention. We're at war for getting kids just engaged. Because um, kids nowadays have no idea what it's like to be bored, man. And they think something's wrong. What can I do? It's I hear so it true, to, Like, dude, I see it all the time at lunch. It's like yeah. some of my favorite times now is like um, we get the kids who don't want to do anything. Like, they don't want to do any golf because it's hot, right? So it's all right, cool. Let's just sit in the gazebo. Get in the gazebo. Oh, I'm thirsty. It's shady. Cool. Then the minute lunch is over. They want to oh, go run outside. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's lunch now. Like, sit down, AJ. Like, bro, like, that. <laughs> now you want to play, bro? Like, okay, AJ. Yeah. So, like, we give them an option. Is like when they ask us if they're bored during lunch, it's like, yo, you got one thing you can do. You got to sit down and keep watching this wall, or you can help clean up. And normally they sit down yeah. looking at the wall because yeah. what's worse than being bored is cleaning up. So, like, that's something we're here to solve is, like, let's get kids off screens. Let's make them become leaders. Um, and then the second thing I think it was equally as important is that parent child connection. Like you hit it a little bit. Um, I knew for a fact because I wasn't that good at golf. Like when I was playing in tournaments, my dad won't go grill me about, yo dude, why'd you blow that lead? He's like, yo bro, you stopped. <laughs> you didn't make eight bogeys today, <laughs> yeah. bro. Like, you know, like, but we were able to talk yeah. and like have that conversation. Yeah. And I see it all the time with my girlfriend's kids is like, they get in the car and they immediately put their headphones on and their iPad and like they don't even talk to her mm. or listen. And it's just like, that's normal. And I'm just like, this is like, they can't go anywhere without a tablet on and right. their headphones. Right. Yeah. God forbid I forget to charge the headphones at night, K4. God. It oh. sounds so <laughs> like, bro, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it is. It, it sounds so cliche too because you talk about like the whole narrative now is like, oh, we need leaders. We need kids off screens. Yeah. But like, Saying it's one thing, but like this is really something. Like it's actually doing it. Yeah, you know, yeah, if it's it really off is. screen. What, what, what's what are they going to fill the time with? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. we got to get them off screen. But, but okay, it's more so. Do? It's not even filling the time. It's it's learning. It's teaching them how to. And even people my age, like it's crazy. It's yeah. it's a it's really like it's a disease. It's more so like not filling the void with something else. Rather teaching them, teaching their brains, retraining like. Okay, like this level that I'm at of no dopamine, like this boringness, which is no dopamine, is okay. Yes. Like that's what it is. Yes. So, and you can't, you're not going to be a leader. You're not going to be off your screen. You're not going to be those things unless you can handle it. Handle it and understand and, and be able to sit still, you know, and just like meditate and just, or just tell your body, like, I'm going to be good right here, right now for 10 minutes, you know? That's. That's so well said, Jack. And I think you said it right, Gavin. You know, <clears throat> we're at war. I think truly we're at war. And I'll tell you what I think the war is. And it's very smartly said on your part. I think these kids at that age that you're teaching and I'll say transforming, you know, they don't have a chance. No. This, this is what I mean by the war. These kids don't have a chance. And what I, what I mean by that is I think for the most part, a lot of these parents are dropping them off just to have their own time you know two hours an hour two hours dropping them off paying money to kind of just have their own self time but know they're safe obviously and they're and they're gonna probably get something out of it right or maybe not but who cares so right so there's that lack of importance i'm gonna get in trouble for saying this right for lack of importance on what happens when the kid gets dropped off because it's more focus on my time my free time and uh, I think what you're doing is going to change that because I think the kid's going to go home with a, a different mindset, more enthusiasm for what they just did, even though it was a game about, you know, making a ball jump over a horse. Yeah. There was a lot in that. Yep. And uh, the failure that they experienced 
was a good failure because they want to go get after it. And so I think they're going to go, as we've said, go talk to their parents more and they're going to communicate more. But the other thing is, you know, these kids are (laughs) surrounded by morons. (laughs) They really are. I mean, these parents that want to drop them off, I don't think that's right. And then, but two, they go to school and a lot of the teachers don't care. Um, You know, they're more just there and the curriculums are outdated and they're not learning what they should. So they're disengaged. And then their peers are around them. There are other moron kids. <laughs> there are other kids that have learned to get a participation award just for being there. Yeah. They haven't learned grit, perseverance, and, oh, I got this award because I really worked my butt off and we won. Um, not just because I was there, yep. you know? But then, so there's all these elements that I just alluded to that does not give them a chance. But then they got the stupid phone. Right, I call it the stupid phone because it really just makes you stupid yeah. because you don't have to remember anything. Yep. And then it makes you want to have everything you want to have right then and there. If you can't get it, you get irritated. Yep. And therefore, that increases the screen time. I mean, that's what the algorithms do. It, it wants you to stay on the screen. It yep. wants you to get frustrated. It yep. wants you to look more. So that's what I think at war is. Yeah. And it's so important to give these kids a chance. And they don't have a chance. Unless someone like you is there to give them a chance. And you're creating an environment and a place for them to go to transform into a leader. You're giving them a chance to be a leader. Because everywhere else that I just alluded to, they don't have a fighting chance, man. They're getting crushed. And um, it couldn't be more timely. So I applaud you for that and that that mission that you have. And that's, that's... why I'm on board and why I'm going to help in every way. And I know Jack feels the same way, but what's, what's, what's next for you? What's next now? Now that I think you guys are starting to ramp up the exposure, um, which is is awesome. You know, the videos are out there and the eyeballs are starting to happen and that's that's awesome. But it's going to give you, like you said, a media platform, this, this underlying current of transforming these kids and the leaders. Yeah. Hopefully, the exposure is going to give you more and more opportunities to do that. What, what's yeah. what's on the horizon for you? I think truly um, is to remain methodical, strategic, and exceptional at what it is that I do. And what it is that I do when I'm at my best capacity is I make magic, man. Like So I think it's like just taking care of myself first and foremost – Doing a way better job of, you know, like Jack's been helping me with my diet to make sure I have more energy for like getting rid of like all my sugars. But I think truly the next thing is just leveling up, getting a concrete plan in place and uh, taking advantage of all these opportunities that we have. And I think it is right now letting the world know that I am the most enthusiastic media personality in the world. And we're soon becoming the most enthusiastic um, media mogul in the world. Do you have any more events coming up in the queue that you want to talk about? Like you just got done with the PGA, yeah. Uh, so in Tulsa, uh, and yes. then, then you have uh, some opportunities to endorse and <laughs> yes, love it, go man. ahead and mention your uh, mention those opportunities. Yeah. Man. So what we have up first, uh, July twenty second, I'm traveling to New, New Jersey for the Club Life Classic, um, or excuse me, the original T Classic. It's been nine years of basically the only predominant black golf tournament in the entire golf industry so this is a space where we could promote obviously people talk about like growing the game but just like culture and lifestyle and branding um the last four honorees were like charlie siffert renee powell um anthony anderson and the last four people to have the opportunity that i have is being like in charge of like the youth day has been guys of the name of like earl cooper um, Roger Steele, who's like one of the largest media personalities, and then Troy Mullins, who actually just partnered with Live Golf. So I'm in a prime position where we actually partnered with uh, the PGA Tour, the LPGA, and Nike Golf. And then after that, um, getting ready to make some content for Scratch Golf, which is a media um, – it's like a humorous media kind of like brand. Different spin on, yeah, on different golf. Different spin on golf, yeah. but I'm really excited for that opportunity because it's unique with um, Noble which is like a CrossFit brand, which is one of the largest. And I'm being a CrossFit guy, so I get to kind of make a – I'm going to be a host for like a three-part episodic kind of content where I'm going to travel the country and basically interview 
um, fitness instructors and like understand basically their origin and what got them into it. And then I'm going to run through their fitness and then put my own spin on it and then kind of make content for them. And, um, if I keep staying on to them, we got some stuff with the golf digest should be soon. So hopefully you'll be watching mm-hmm. golf digest will be coming out the Salisbury country club and basically filming, um, what is consistency for, a high handicapper, what's consistency look like for a mid handicapper, and what's consistency look like for like a very good golfer. So that's kind of what's up next on top of a fully booked summer program where we have four weeks of summer camps up. Where this week we have a 33 ball, last week we had 45 Sheesh. kids. And um, when I'm not doing that, still working on becoming, um, I was voted number three best golf instructor in the state of Virginia last year. So I got to figure out what the hell I got to do to become number one because <laughs> she got a problem. So we coming for her spot. Yeah. So yeah, just how uh, can people get find you now more broadly? Aren't you guys launching? building and launching a new yeah so we got a we got a site coming out of you got to find out soon it's going to be flowwithus.com from there you'll be able to book lessons be able to purchase some of our game guides um, some of our training manuals we'll have some swag and some merch coming out soon as well Um, we're also heavy on socials so if you go on instagram gavin flow tiktok gavin flow and if you want to send me a facebook request i'm still on there too but that is active (laughs) and then also youtube um uh gavin flow on youtube or yeah, gavin flow. yeah YouTube. Gavin, gavin, gavin park gavin, gavin park yeah either sure. way yeah in a day and age where social media is so important it just is um at least de- depending on what you're doing having a social platform is so beneficial for creating these leaders like we talked about it all underlines yep. it all connects for sure so it's a huge thing that we're doing yeah. and and it's definitely presenting many opportunities, which you've already seen, for kind sure. of just getting started, right? For sure, for sure. So it's really dope. Dad and I have talked about briefly in a past podcast what I'm doing to help you. So yeah. they kind of already know that. Yeah. I think, are we good, Dad? Are we we kind I of ran two, through it. two questions before we wrap here. One, oh, I can't wait. for golf. Yes. Your, your um, aspirations to be in golf, leadership in golf. If you had a chance to continue on this journey or be a pro golfer on the tour, uh, and under under that pressure and spotlight, which which ones would you choose? Dang, <laughs> dang, because you love golf. I do you love, love golf, it. man. It's a tough question. I put you on yeah. the spot. I'm gonna be super real, man. Like <laughs> I would be P play professional golf for yeah. sure. Like I mean, that's been my like my first dream, and I quickly realized, dang, I can't play it. Let's coach this shit to hit the game more. <laughs> like, hey, let's be real, bro. Like, hey. Well, you know. Hey, the self-aware. Be- yeah. like, I read the room. Yeah, like, yeah. yo, I keep coming in last. Let's you don't. <laughs> you don't have Losa, which is lack of self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think, I think, I think the gift that we're all going to have gotten and get are going to get from you being able to do this over that, even though that's a dream. Yeah, man. that's a dream for everybody. I I, right. go, I fall asleep pretending I do that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like literally. I I think I one of the hardest moments I've ever cracked up is during the pandemic. I met some buddies like when I went overseas to France, and they wanted me to speak to like his junior golf program. So on my birthday, I basically spoke to like a Wales golf program golf academy and they were doing their introduction they're like gavin flow his career professional earnings is 137 dollars because like being a pga they yeah. like keep i was like his lowest finish was tied for 55th yeah. and i was like yeah Damn. did you well, actually go up and speak after that <laughs> thank god it was zoom i was so gonna I was say like, no yeah. you could say something like no no he actually wasn't missing any zeros yeah he wasn't <laughs> Yeah, I can't. It was, it was very uh, humbling. I was like, yeah, that's this is not why I'm on this call, guys. All right, last question before we wrap. Uh, f- foursome. Who's your ideal foursome? No, they get it now. <laughs> Dude, what? Uh, my dad for sure. Uh, Tiger Woods, but like Tiger 06. So like, not Tiger 2000. Like I'm full of like Tiger 06. Where, like he was done. He was wow. So like Tiger 06. Um. Dang, man. And then I think my last person I want to play G with, truly, ooh.
the world Dang. won't the world won't come to an end if you get yeah, it wrong. Yeah, I know. GP. Damn, I'm sorry. Hold on, I'm really thinking on this <laughs> one, dude. My bad. Oh man. Honestly, I'm gonna go this with This would be good practice. You might get asked this some other time. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with I know it's tough to say, man, but I'm gonna go with Ben Hogan, man. Ooh. I just wanna see like I wanna see cause I got my dad, I know he gonna be clowning. So I got Flo in there and then got Tiger O six and then like Ben Hogan, cause like everyone's like, yo, this dude Ben Hogan was so pure. Yeah. And like a lot of the principal like I love the golf swing and he had like one of my favorite golf swings. And then like then I started studying about the golf swing and he was way wrong. Um, especially we talked about like supination of the wrist. I was like, yo, your wrist can't supinate anyways. Um but yeah, but like he was so close, but yet what he was like, what he was articulating, he was doing wasn't real. But like, if you mm. actually studied it, it was true. Right. So like, just like, dude, how do you get there? Right. Like, yeah. And to have a car accident, it's, it's like, it's just, yeah. And then having Tiger and Ben in the same foursome. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Just watching that. Yeah. <laughs> Tiger. They'd probably be talking the whole time about. Oh, su- I'm definitely supination. Oh, ho- ho- whole whole time. That was <laughs> such a good question. Man, guys, this is dope. This is awesome. Thanks man. for this being is here, dope, buddy. man. Appreciate for sure. It. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate for you. For sure. Yeah, man. Here, Gavin, thank you so much, man, this for coming awesome, on. Man. Come well, back and see us again. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. We'll run it back again Heck in the yeah. future. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for watching. This was Generational View Day. Hopefully you enjoyed. Hopefully. Hopefully you gained some insight <laughs> to um, to Mr. Gavin Parker here. Um, look out for him. He's he's gonna be something big for sure in the future. And creating leaders out here. Gavin, thank you. Hey, we outside. See y'all later.